Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. that long ago that it looked like the Tennessee Titans matched up with the Kansas City Chiefs as well as anybody in the NFL. You think back to the 2019 regular season, Titans beat the Chiefs 35-32 when Josh Kalou blocked a field goal attempt at the end of the game. That same season, they were up 17-7 on the Chiefs in the second quarter of the AFC Championship game before they eventually fell 35-24. And then in 2021, they whipped the Chiefs 27-3 in the regular season. But here we are. Kansas City has won three of the last five Super Bowls after uh, after they got the best of the San Francisco 49ers in overtime on Sunday. Uh, as a team in the AFC, like every other team, I guess, in the AFC, the Titans are going to have to deal with the Chiefs constantly going forward. They... Uh, they are the new New England Patriots, I guess, if you will, as as we kick off this episode of Believe in Titans uh, with Denard Walker, former Titans cornerback. Uh, John Glennon can't be with us tonight, but uh, Denard, it, I mean, is it that simple? Is it Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs running the NFL now and, and everybody just has to deal with them? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because uh, think about it. You just said it three of the last uh, – five Super Bowls they've won and not to mention they lost what in 2020 to Tampa Bay. So, I mean, what Andy Reid is doing, uh, I wouldn't say it's unprecedented considering the fact what Bill Belichick has done uh, over his tenure in New England. But again, as long as you have Patrick Mahomes, uh, you're going to have a chance to win this thing. And David, what's weird is I was talking to somebody about this and I said, they didn't look too good uh, in the, in the regular season. I didn't even think this team was going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I thought they were going to make the playoffs, but I told people most of the season, I said, Kansas City's not winning the AFC this year. And, uh, you know, but by the time they got to the AFC championship game, they had they had made believers out of me. I, you know, I even threw a couple bucks down on on the Chiefs in the AFC championship game because, I mean, it, it's just that simple, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL by far, and we've seen it. With with what Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and and Drew Brees did for years, I mean, you have and Eli Manning. I guess you can throw in there too. You have to have you have to have that kind of a quarterback to to win this thing. And and Mahomes is is just the best right now, and 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 maybe on his way to being the best ever. Don't you think? Or uh, he has a chance at this point. Well, I, I don't know if anybody going to surpass Brady. Let's not let's not go too fast. But what he's been able to do um, over the course of his career, and he's he's young. That's what's uh, so amazing. He's what twenty seven years old. Yeah, that's why he's not thirty five. Yeah, he's not thirty five. So he's, he, he's got a long go. ways to go. And not to mention, they just paid him what was it a half a billion? Uh, was it last year? He signed that contract extension. So that should tell you that Kansas City is committed to this young man for the long run. But I mean, it's what they're doing right now. They're on top. And John, I mean, excuse me, if you want to say John, but David, what was interesting, a guy asked me Sunday, he says, well, Denar, who do you think is going to take this game? I said, and I called it. I said, David, 
it, it's going to be the two things. It's going to be a blowout or it's going to come down to the last play of the game. What was interesting, I said, if it's a blowout, I got San Francisco winning it big. But if it's close, I said, for some reason, Patrick Mahomes, number 15, is going to find a way to put his team in position to win. And that's exactly what happened Sunday. Well, that, that's what I told a couple people about midway through the second quarter when San Francisco was clearly getting the better of things and was mm-hmm. only up 3 nothing. I said, the 49ers are going to regret not getting more points on the board early because sooner or later the Chiefs are going to figure out something on offense and get going and uh you know that that's what that's what they did of course they you know there is there is all the hubbub around Kyle Shanahan and the decision to to take the ball at at the start of overtime there there was there was one narrative early in the week that said well he didn't know the overtime rules which is which is not true he did know uh-huh. and and the, you know their analytics department discussed it and, and what i thought was interesting was he was looking at it more from the third possession of overtime perspective he's thinking we're going to go down we're going to score a touchdown worst case scenario is the chiefs match us then we get the ball and we have a chance to win the game which that makes sense to me i buy that and the the interesting the interesting counterpoint to that was that the uh the Chiefs said well there was never going to be a third possession you know in all our discussions it was it you know give the make if we get the choice give them the ball first if they score a touchdown we go score a touchdown and we go for two and uh and decide the game that way so you know we we all we all know analytics are are an ever increasing part of the nfl i think this was a really interesting uh interesting way to look at the fact that Analytics are not cut and dried. It's not just everybody's got the same chart and you say, okay, this is the situation. You do this. There's still, there's still the human element involved in this game. And, uh, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan's going to live with the decision he made. He's, uh, uh, you know, you have, you, you certainly p- played for his dad. You have a, a, a little bit of an understanding of the Shanahan mindset. Uh, Will it be easy for him to get over this and, and move on to the next thing, or do you think it will bug him for a little while? It'll bug him for a while, but once you get the training camp, everything is complete. It's a new, it's a brand new season. That's just the way it works in the league. You got to get over it quick. And believe me, I know I played in a Super Bowl and unfortunately came short. And what happens is, is that it's going to be with you. You always, sometimes we're second guessing ourselves and we're talking about, you know, would have, could have, and should have, but you said it, it, it comes down to the human side that there's, there's the, a coach once told me a long time ago, Dave, it's very simple. Players responsibility is to go out and play coaches responsibility is to go out and coach ref. Their responsibility is to go out and call the game the right way. And unfortunately you have a lot of outsides outsiders and naysayers. They're going to always, they're going to put in their little two cents, and that doesn't matter. We can sit here and talk analytics all day, David, but if I was in Cal Shanahan's situation, I probably would have wanted the ball first, put my offense, offense on the field, and see if we can score. That's what you do. You go out there, play to win. And so uh, I, if I'm Cal Shanahan, I'm not second-guessing myself. I think he did exactly what he was taught to do. Plus, he said too he would he wanted to get his defense a little extra rest. They had exactly. been exactly there. You go an eleven play, sixty four yard drive yeah. right at the end of regulation. If uh, you know, if you had been on the on that defense, I assume you would have appreciated that yes. little break then too, right? Heck yeah, and especially overtime. I mean, that, you just came off the field, so you're exhausted at this point of the game, and you're talking about now we got to go another series or two. So again, 
he made the right decision. Unfortunately, San Francisco came up short. That's that's all that happened in this game. And how good a play call was that at the end? I mean, did, did San Francisco's defense have a chance, or were Andy Reid and Matt Nagy sitting on that one for just a? Well, that's the key. He sat on that play. Uh, he ran that play one time, and that was the last play of the game. And that is a hard route to cover because if you look at that receiver, when he motions in, there already was in a bunch set to begin with. And so when he's running real fast and he stops, a lot of times that defensive back can get lost because he's thinking he's going to run over to the field. And what happens if you're a DB and you see a receiver when he motioned and he's running that fast, because what happened was if you look at that game, Kansas City, they ran the play, but they ran it with the receiver going across the field. So when you're a defensive back, you're trying to get over there if you got man-to-man coverage. But he stopped on the dime, and then when he said, huh, you know, right there, he was wide open on that out route. So, again, it's kind of like a pick play and when they bunch you up. So it's hard to cover. But Andy Reid, I mean, he's a genius. He waited to the last play to call that play. And that's just that's just to show you how good of a play – not a good – how great of a play caller Andy Reid is. Well, and we'll segue that into, you know, the the effect that that coaching can have. I, I mean, coaches will tell you it's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and the O's. But uh, but but coaching is obviously a, a big part of this thing. And the the Titans this week have uh, have announced the majority of their coaching staff for the 2024 season. They uh, they introduced their coordinators to the media on Wednesday, and and I think the uh, the most notable soundbite to uh, to come out of that press conference was from new defensive coordinator Denard Wilson, and I am going to I'm going to say this exactly as he did, and I quote: "I learned this a long time ago. General George Patton said this: nobody ever defended anything successful. You're going to attack and attack some more." We're going to be an attacking defense. We're going to be violent in our p- approach. We're going to be smart. We're going to be intelligent. We're never going to compromise for competing. And that's the style of football we're going to play around here. Denard Walker, if you were a member of this Titans defense right now and you heard this guy coming in say that, what what would your reaction be? Buckle up. Buckle <laughs> up. <laughs> you know who that is. So he's quoting from General Patton, right? Yes. Uh-huh. You sure he's not quoting from Greg Williams? Because I feel like I've heard that speech before. Well, it, it, it's interesting. You know, that that is the uh, I, I don't know if he's quoting directly from George Patton or if he's quoting from the movie Patton or if yeah. the movie Patton was taken directly from uh, from th- something the, the general had said or written. But but, you know, the the opening scene of of Patton if you haven't seen it is one of the greatest things ever he walks out on this stage in front of this huge American flag and and is addressing his troops who you never see it it's almost like you're one of his troops and and he says uh he, he says exactly in that movie uh George C Scott playing Patton he says we're not in part we're not holding anything let the hun do that we are advancing constantly and we're not interested in holding on to anything except the enemy we're going to hold on to him by the nose and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time, and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. And uh, you know, if if you if you watch that movie, I mean, it it gets you uh, it gets you fired up. Uh, but but he, he probably did hear it from Greg Williams because he talked about as well that uh, you know he got his start in the NFL with the Rams under Jeff Fisher and uh, Greg Williams, and that that those two he still talks to them both of them regularly. And that uh, you know they they have they are largely or 
profound, you know, not completely, but certainly largely responsible for how he does things as a coach and, and with his defense. So you, you know, you can probably give us some real insight here into terms of, you know, what are, what are the basics? Because he, he was not specific in terms of we're going to have a four man front or a three man front. He right. said, we're going to be multiple up front. We're going to be multiple in the back. And, you know, he's sort of vague about that sort of stuff, but what are the, what are the elements of a, a Jeff Fisher, Greg William defense that you're pretty confident then are going to be part of this Titans defense under Denard Wilson? Well, I played what four years and the last two years of my 1999 and 2000. Our defense was statistically uh, one of the well, 2000 we finished. 2000, you were dominant. Let's let's be honest, you were dominant. No, we were dominant. Yeah, you can go ahead and say that again. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Dominant. Yeah, it was a. But you know what, uh, David? What made that defense great? And I'm sure if I was, I was going to say if I was Denar, let me Coach Wilson. Uh, one of the things about a Jeff Fisher in a Greg Williams defense, it's aggressive, you know, and he talked about this after we lost the Super Bowl, and a lot of people were asking him questions about Denar Walker and his inability to stop that long uh, fade route to Isaac Bruce, and he said something I would never forget, which won me over, and that's why I have the utmost respect for Coach Fisher and Greg Williams was we were aggressive, we played Man to man, I told Denard to get inside exactly where he was supposed to be because all game we were getting beat inside. So they were getting all these inside routes. He took the inside away. He made him go over the top. He contested the pass. He just didn't make the play. He says, unfortunately, Denard makes that play 90% of the time. What he's talking about is I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to deviate from calling games aggressively. That's my style. That's our DNA. And he also talked about that when you look at those old Titans team, let's say that team back in 2000, if you watch that game against Philly, you look at a game where it was physical. We were all about our physicality. We were about imposing our will on you, but we were also in the back half. We would scheme you. I can remember game David playing against Cordell Stewart and he was so confused. It was like a deer. He was like, he didn't know what to do because what we would do is we will show you one look, but then on the pre-snap, we'll show you another look. And then once the ball was snapped and you kind of, you were coming down to show your routes, we would play the routes. And then a quarterback wouldn't know what to do. So a lot of times a quarterback would just throw the ball right to you. And that's when you, when you confuse an offense, that's what they mean by we're going to dictate the course of the game. We're not going to adapt to you. We're going to make you adapt to us. And that's what coach Wilson is trying to, to implement uh, when he comes in is, listen, we're not going to sit back and just play zone here, David. We're going to be uh, so with, we're just going to be predictable. Uh, we're going to let you have this. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to on third down. We're going to blitz you on first and second down. We're going to mix up the coverages. We're not just going to play a traditional cover two. We're going to play the actual route. And what Jerry Gray would do, David, is about seven plays. We would always have about seven plays of the opposing team. And we would know that formation and everything that's going to happen before the play. And we would play the play. So if we have a call on and that route, that um, formation comes up, forget the forget the formation, forget the call. We're going to play that play. And what we're going to do is we're going to just adapt and then we're going to go get it. And that's the way Denard is trying to, that's what he's trying to tell everybody is we're going to get it. We're going to be a defense that's not going to wait around. We're going to go get you. We're going to attack you. And that's what he's going to try to bring to Tennessee next season. So that's a secondary call. Like the, the front's going to, 
stick with whatever was called, but the secondary, you, you know what routes are coming at that point, and you're hey, yeah. only on certain certain routes. You can't not every we can't right. do it every uh, uh, formation. But what happens is there's about what we call tendencies in a game. So a team they don't have uh, seven days a week to prepare for the next uh, game. You know they got to be ready. You know game week starts on Wednesdays, right? right? And so what happens is they're not they're gonna sometimes run the same play. They might just do it from a different formation sometimes. So what you want to do is make sure you can pinpoint like there's about five formations that a coach will never change. He's not going to just run it uh, the exact time that he ran it the previous week. And so when you see that formation, Ed Reed used to say, go get it. Yeah. You know, listen, Ed Reed didn't play any technique. If you ever watch Ed Reed's highlights, did, did he ever backpedal? He <laughs> would run from one side of the – he's playing sandlot football. And that's what he's trying to get his guy. Don't be robotic. Go get it. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I don't remember hearing about you know playing the play as opposed to just sticking with the call. So that's uh, that. That's good stuff. Did you did you and Jeff ever have a one on one discussion after the Super Bowl? Did you did did you need him to to sort of pump you back up a little bit or no no? When you're a player, we all played terrible in the back half. Uh, our front played well. Uh, Javon, our, our defense, the, the interior played well, just in the back. Well, cause we, and what happened was we didn't have Marcus and we did have Marcus Robertson didn't start the game. Blaine Bishop didn't finish the game. Blaine didn't finish. We were, we we were young. We were young secondary, me, Samari and Dana. We was all, I was the oldest in my third year. Anthony Dorsett was in his fourth year. And so we just, we couldn't, we just couldn't get going in the back half and the Rams what they did was they outworked us uh, that super um, on that day, as opposed to when we played them in the regular season, we beat them down when they yeah. came to Nashville. We went up on them 28 to nothing before halftime. So what happened was we just kind of got our butts kicked. Uh, uh, they got after us. But again, Jeff didn't have to motivate his players. Jeff will always tell you this, is that your job is to motivate yourself. You're a pro. I don't need to pat you on the back when you do well. I don't need to Jeff never, you know, Jeff was that cool Southern California. He was young with the slick back hair. He was real mellow and Jeff let you figure it out, David. That's the way he coached his, his philosophy. If you're not here in the off season, that's fine. But when you show up and if you're out of shape, like one of the guys were, you can, he's, he'll tell you, I'll cut you. I will, I will cut you. So there's always this expectations to get yourself ready and you do whatever you have to do. But Jeff, I love him to death. He's the best coach I've ever had in my life. That's interesting. And, and, and really, I know, I know you're hard on yourself for that Isaac Bruce touchdown, but let's, let's place the blame where it really lies on Javon Kirsch, who was, people forget, was half a step from crushing Kurt Warner on that. If he had, if he had somehow been half a step faster, you would, uh, you, you know, you, 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 you wouldn't, you wouldn't look at that game the same way, but if I would, if no, I, that's an excuse. David, David Beauclair players <laughs> never make excuses. You know what? You know, and, and they talked about, well, he tipped the ball. So if you look at the play, David, let me, let me get this off my chest. Yeah, go ahead. Have, Come on. Okay. A eight year old, my grandmother, um, God rest her soul. Uh, there was a young man that my grandmother, I guess she worked with his dad or knew his dad. And so he sent me a letter right after the game, which was it about a couple weeks later, really motive. That's what got me going. And so he sent the clipping, uh, in sports illustrated and it shows me 
in Isaac Bruce, uh, that play and they broke it down. And like, he's, we're like, my hand is actually inside of his hand. Unfortunately, the, the ball went right in his hands and, and it skipped my hands. You know, it was like destiny. The, the Rams that day, they deserve to win because they outworked us in the back half. And not to mention our offense, it took them a lot of time to get going. And so we knew if we're going to match, if we're going to play with the Rams, we got to put some points on the, uh, on that, um, scoreboard, but it was a close game. But again, I, I got to take, I, I always believe in accountability and that's something that was instilled in me. Even with, if the ball wasn't tipped, I, he still would have got it because it was just his day. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. And, and let's be fair. Isaac Bruce is in the hall of fame. They, He's he in the hall of no, fame. He was no slacker out there. No, he wasn't. <laughs> Who had a who had a tremendous tremendous season and and while we're talking about offense, then uh, Nick Holtz, the new offensive coordinator, among the things he said this week is, and I quote: "We really want to see guys playing with great speed, detail, and execution, and those are the three things that kind of go right off the bat right there." You can see those guys taking what we learned from the classroom, taking it out on the field, and really growing in that regard. So uh, speed, detail, and execution. Um, I think uh, certainly certainly anybody can anybody can be detailed. Anybody can do what they want. I I, I think the Titans they need more speed though on offense, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly Tajay Spears, I think is, is going to, is probably going to be a little quicker, a little better on, in the backfield. But, uh, but from a, a tight end and receiver perspective, I, I think it, it's fair to assume we're going to be looking for speed in, in, in the, uh, in the draft additions and the free agent additions here. Don't you think? Yeah, that that's the key because when you look at that, the perimeter game, I, I thought the perimeter, they proved us wrong. I mean, D-Hop lived up to the billing, but I don't think D-Hop is a burner. I mean, I no. think you said it best. He's one of the best contested receivers in the league, so you don't worry about sometimes D-Hop topping the defense. Traylon, unfortunately, we, we know what he's capable of doing when he's healthy. So the key is, is will he, what will 2024 look like uh, for Traylon Burks? Will we see the Traylon Burks that we saw in 2022, the flashes like in the Philly game, his ability to get over the top and split defenders and go up and high point the game, or high point the ball. We will see that Traylon Burks uh, like he did against Green Bay. I mean, he absolutely schooled Jair Alexander, didn't have a chance. I mean, you, you can talk about speed, but if you don't have the players on the perimeter to do it, then, well, you're going to have to kind of take what you can take. So, again, I, I just I think that's what Nick Holt is supposed to uh, say, but again, they're going to have to think about getting some uh, some more speed uh, on that perimeter th- this offseason. Yeah, and, and Holtz, of course, was asked about how he and, and Brian Callahan would sort of balance their duties. They neither one of them was was terribly clear on it. They they said that it's sort of a work in progress, and that they're they're sort of uh, they're sort of thinking, you know, going through different scenarios and hey, what if we have this guy be in charge of third down packages and and, and so it sounds like everybody's going to have a hand in in putting the game plan together to some degree. Holtz is the guy who will ultimately compile everything and and then hand it off to uh, to Brian Callahan who will be doing the play calling on game days. Uh, uh, Holtz did say it, it for those who haven't. Rem- 
who don't recall, I'll remind you that that Holtz and Callahan were high school teammates together in California. And he did say, you know, they didn't really think, oh, geez, you know, wouldn't it be great someday to, to kind of be in the position they're in now? But uh, but as they both got into coaching, you know, you can't help but think, wow, maybe maybe someday. And and uh, and Nick Holt said, too, that, that he find, he's found already in just the short time working with Brian Callahan an attention to detail and, and certain things like that, that that he said he didn't really didn't really know, didn't really see in Callahan at a young age. So uh, he seemed seemed to be excited about that. The uh, the interestingly too, this staff also includes uh, a couple of guys who Mike Munchak hired to his initial staff back in 2011 in uh, in linebackers coach Frank Bush and defensive line coach Tracy Rocker, two guys who uh, who have been around. Frank Bush actually played for the Oilers too, and this will be his third stint after he immediately after he finished as a player, he got his uh, start in coaching as a quality control assistant with the. Oilers. So he he just kind of keeps circling back to this franchise. Uh, Tracy Rocker, of course, was a, a tremendous college player, has been a, a well-respected uh, NFL and college coach uh, for a long time now. I, I think uh, I think all you need to know about Tracy Rocker is Jarrell Casey was drafted here the year that Tracy Rocker was here, and if you if you like the way you know Jarrell Casey developed. Uh, uh, you can feel pretty good about the uh, the job Tracy Rocker is is going to be able to do here. Denard, do you know do you know either one of those guys personally, or have you just sort of what? seen their work from afar? Man, I've been knowing Frank Bush. I know Frank for a long time. Frank was right? a special teams coach when I played for the Broncos. Okay, so he was a special teams coach. He's a good coach too, and uh, Frank is very detailed. Man, he's a he's a student of the game. Uh, Frank's been around for a long time. He's coached. He's a great special teams coach, great motivator. And I've been knowing Tracy Rocker since I was a kid. I used to watch him when he played for Auburn all those years. He was a, what of the Outland Trophy winner. He was, yes. Yeah, he was a great player. And he's been coaching for a long time at college and pros. And like you just said, with his, how when they drafted Jarrell Casey, and we know what kind of player Jarrell Casey was for the Titans for a long time. So, again, when you talk about Tracy Rocker, you're going to get a, a former player uh, who's played this game at both collegiate level and the pro level, and he's going to bring that excitement to this defensive line. I, I, I'm, I'm really excited about this hire, I, especially with Rocker. And, and like I said, Frank has been a defensive coordinator uh, for a couple of teams in the league. So, you know, they know their stuff. So, again, look like the coaching staff this year is it looked pretty good. There's some pretty good hires, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what they're going to bring to the table. Yeah, it, it's an interesting step for and and for a guy like Jeff Simmons. I mean, Jeff Simmons is really, really good. Yeah. You know, can Tracy Rocker add something to him that that even the average fan will say, "Wow, Jeffrey Simmons is even better this year"? Do you think, or or will it be much more subtle things that that he'll add to Simmons's game? I think he. You know what? I think this could be. It could be a beautiful thing. It's just. It's just real. Jeffrey Simmons be receptive to uh, Tracy's Rockers coaching. Uh, sometimes, you know, you bring in a new coach. Say you had a great relationship with your old defensive line or your old secondary coach. It's hard when a new coach comes in and he's trying to implement, you know, his DNA, you know, on that on that unit. So I'm, I'm anxious to see if I'm Tracy Rocker, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to the big man. I mean, 
there's a story, Dave, out, um, and this was back in 1990. And I don't know the coach's name, but he coached Lawrence Taylor. And LT at that time was he, – he was kind of slacking off. You know, he he'd had a dominant – and then the coach I – I wish I had this uh, coach's name in my mind. He said, I asked LT, how do you want me to coach you? Do you want me to do what you want me to do and you're going to continue to play the way that you've been playing just getting through? Or do you want me to coach you hard and, and to coach you fair and to coach you right and to make sure that you get back on track? And I think in 1990, I think LT went back to his dominating, dominating people, that dominating performance that we saw back in the early 80s because he kind of slacked off when he started parting. Well, yeah. that's what you want. You know, you want that, David. You want somebody that's going to come in and is going to coach you hard, but you got to buy into it. And if a player doesn't buy into that coach, then nine times out of ten, they're either going to get rid of that player or the coach. In this day and age, they get rid of the coach before the player. Well, you know, having seen Tracy Rocker back in 2011 through 13 when he worked under Mike Munchak, and having seen Terrell Williams the last few years here under Mike Vrabel, it, it's not going to be a drastically different personality or approach. Both of them, neither one of those guys are are yellers. They're uh, yeah. they're more they're very calm, very low key. Sort of here. Let me explain this to you so that that you're clear. I, I think uh, I think certainly you know and. and you make an interesting point because Terrell Williams was a guy, his defensive lineman, I think universally here loved him the last few years. But, uh, but I, I think it's easy. It's, or at least it's easy for me to imagine that it'll be a, uh, it'll be a smooth transition to Tracy Rocker because I think, uh, I think he's the, you know, he's that same kind of, you know, I don't, I don't need, I don't need the whole world to know how smart I am. I just need you the guy I'm talking to right now to understand this is, uh, you know, this is, this is what you need to do. And uh, um, yeah, Jeff, it, 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 it'll be fun to see Jeffrey Simmons if, you know, because as I mean, we all know he's, he's plenty good enough right now, but, uh, but he, uh, if he can, if they can find, if this group can find a little something more from him, That'll uh, that'll be even something else. And Denard Wilson said that he had already talked to uh, Jeffrey Simmons directly. That that you know they they spoke and uh, um, I'm trying to think. Here it is. He 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 said we're going to have you know have players like that and put them in positions to have success. It's a wonderful thing to come in here when you have a guy who plays at that level. So Denard Wilson is already uh, you know is already looking forward to that too. As I think you know, any defensive coordinator should. Hey, um, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you remember, uh, you remember Coach Norris, Rex Norris? I do remember Rex Norris, yes. Hey, Coach Norris was the nicest. No, super nice. So I'm telling you, Dave, it, it, it was hard for me to believe that he actually coached defensive line <laughs> because defensive line coaches are like offensive line coaches. They're a little crazy. You know, they got a, they're like, uh, they got some issues. Uh, which is why they yes. coach those positions. But when Coach, when Wash came in in '99, I mean, I'm telling you, it was like night and day because you know Wash when he would come in, it's everything was spit, you know, all oh, kinds yeah. of words. I mean, you can hear Wash from a mile away. The hat was all sweaty. It stank. But you know what? 
he got that defensive line. The same guys that we yeah. previously had in 98, and he got that unit rolling. So that's what I'm hoping to see uh, with Coach Walker is that he get that that unit rolling. And it, like I said, it's all up to Jeffrey. If he's receptive, then this can be a beautiful, beautiful relationship between those two. Yeah, talk, talking about Jim Washburn, who who had the job here for a long time. And yeah. do you remember this? I, you know, I was I was kidding about Javon Curse earlier. Obviously, do you remember this? It was from, you know, because one of one of the big things that Jim Washburn was charged with when he replaced Rex Norris was Jeff Fisher told him, "I want these guys running to the ball." I right. want everybody running the ball. Like that was sort of the number one mission that Jim Washburn had. So do you remember it was in the June mini camp? They were, it was during position drills and Washburn set up a, a musical chairs sort of game where five defensive linemen are laying on the ground at a, like say the 20 yard line. Right. And then he put four cones, like one at the 30, one at the 35, one at the 40, one at the 45. And he'd blow the whistle. Everybody had to jump up, run and get a cone. And if you didn't get a cone, you right. were shamed. You know, I mean, you had to yeah. run or you got, you know, you got shamed or something, whatever happened. And, uh, and so one group gets down there and it includes Javon Curse, who was the first round draft pick that year. And Greg Williams happens to be walking by the drill before Washburn blows the whistle. And, you know, this is such a Greg Williams thing. Right. Loud enough and very intentionally says to Washburn, five bucks says the rookie doesn't get one. And so Washburn blows the whistle. Javon Curse pops up and scoops up all four cones <laughs> by himself. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was, it was amazing. I mean, he just, he just, and it was, it was something else. And, uh, you know, that, but, uh, and, and you think, and then you think to that season when, uh, when Javon Kirst runs down Napoleon McCallum from behind against the Raiders and he runs down Cadre Ishmael from no, behind. No, 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 no. That wasn't Javon Kirst that ran down Napoleon McCallum, that long run that he got. Wasn't it? I thought Javon. Oh, no, that was me. Was that you? Yeah, go. You need to go watch. I, that go, I, I thought there was. I thought there that was a was Javon, not Javon. One in there too. Javon but, got but, the guy of Baltimore when we were. Yeah, Kadri Ishmael for sure. Yeah, yeah it was Quadri Ishmael. Yeah. That was my man. Who was one of the fastest guys in the league at the time, by the he way, was. and a defensive line that ran him down. But that's you know. But that you know. It, when you again, when you go, when you're looking for okay, where can coaches make a difference? You know, that was that was Washburn's charge that year, and those guys did exactly that. You know, Josh Evans was another one who, by the end of that year, was running all over the field and. All over. Uh, and and just making all kinds of plays. So uh, an undrafted free agent that was already had been released by Dallas. Nobody wanted him. Gets to Tennessee, and then when Wash when Coach Wash came in, he took Josh game to to the next level. You know, Josh when he went on in free agency when he signed with the Jets, he got a lot of money because he of did get a lot of money. Yeah, and and I mean that was what that was about his seventh or eighth year. I mean it took yeah. him. It took him time to get there, and he had a suspension or two along the way. But mm-hmm. but he eventually, you know, eventually got paid. And and uh, uh, but you know, we should mention the late great Josh Evans passed away a few years ago here from uh, from some serious cancer. But uh, uh, you know, a guy who loved the game as as much as anybody on the team oh, at that time. As, as we wrap this up, we've uh, we've paid a lot of attention to the hiring of offensive line coach Bill Callahan. Um, and, uh, Brian Callahan was asked about, you know, the opportunity to work together. And, and he said this week, quote, he's very understanding of what it means to sit in the chair. I sit in every day, 
having done it himself, he knows when advice is welcome. He knows when he probably should leave me alone. Mm -hmm. I know when I should leave him alone on the flip side. It's been a really cool experience for me so far. Uh, um, You think think having his dad there adds a certain amount of pressure, or does it take pressure off? You think it makes it easier for him to to have that sort of sense of, Hey, Dad, can I talk to you a minute? As opposed to, hey, experienced hand on the coaching staff, can I talk to you for a minute? I don't know. You know, they didn't they just coach together in Cincinnati? No, no. Bill Callahan was with Cleveland. I mean, he's with Cleveland. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. You know, it's it's not like Coach Callahan is the offensive coordinator. He's your line coach. So uh, I don't know. This would be interesting. Uh, I. I mean, why would he hire his dad if he felt like it would put, you know, it would be added pressure? I think it'd That's be something to take pressure off because if you think about it, when you when you hired Bill Callahan on your staff, you didn't just go out and hire just a regular offensive line coach. You hired a man that is a guru. I mean, he is a guru in coaching offensive line. If you go back, you know, when he was the head coach uh, for the Raiders back in the uh, late 1990, I mean, 90, early 2000, when that Raider team had won the Super Bowl, this man, that offensive line with Lincoln Kennedy, uh, Wisniewski, the, the Hall of Famer, Wisniewski. Remember Barry Robbins, the offensive line? The yeah. guy that went AWOL in <laughs> Super Bowl. Great player. These were Pro Bowl players. That offensive line was – and I played against them. They were tough. And Bill Callahan, you know, even as the head coach back then with the Raiders, that he had a lot to input uh, when it came to coaching that that unit. And if he can get that, if he can get five guys on this Titans team to play like that unit he had in Oakland, I'm telling you, David, if I'm Taji Spears, I'm looking for a breakout season in 2024. Yeah, and uh, Brian Callahan said of his dad, too, he's probably forgotten more football than I know to this point. And so, uh, uh, you know, it, it's no doubt that, uh, that, that, he that Bill Callahan is going to be sort of the voice of experience on this staff, not just for Brian Callahan, but I would assume for pretty much everybody on that staff. And uh, um, it, it, we've talked about it a lot here these last couple of weeks, but uh, I hope people understand it's it's that big a deal. I mean, he is he is that good a coach, that well respected a coach, that accomplished a coach that. Uh, um, he, you know, he has a chance to make, I think, a, a huge difference here. And, and certainly that's a position group that that needs to be better. So uh, we will uh, we will wrap up this episode of Believe in Titans. Uh, hopefully this was a good episode for you. We, as always, we will try to be better ourselves with the uh, with the next one. But until then, Denard Walker, thank you as always, my friend. Oh, have a good evening, David. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I am David Beauclair, and this is Believe in Titans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.